We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Tuesday night after the Wolves beat the Golden State Warriors at Target Center by 15 without Anthony Edwards in the lineup. Final score was Wolves 129, Warriors 114. This was the game the Wolves wanted to have against the Sixers on Friday, a game against a superior team that they believe they can play with and should be able to win against at home. I think just as surprised as they were to get blown out in that game against the Sixers tonight, they had, you know, the same amount of belief in in the result, the win. I think for better or worse, this is just a very confident Wolves team. And and tonight that looked warranted. 39 points from Carl Anthony Towns, a fourth straight productive game for D'Angelo Russell out of the All-Star break. Six made threes for Malik Beasley, 10 points, seven assists for Patrick Beverly. Jalen Noel was a plus 16. Torian Prince was a plus 16. And Jordan McLaughlin was a team high plus 17. And all that happened with Anthony Edwards out of the lineup. Um, I don't necessarily think the Wolves were better off or anything with Edwards out of the lineup in tonight's game, but they definitely didn't need him to win tonight. And, you know, that's for the reasons I listed off above. A lot of players on the team had really good games, but I think more than anything, they survived without Ant tonight because Cat took over in his absence. The offense ran through Cat, you know, 15 points at the end of the first quarter, 20 by halftime, and he finished with 39 even after, you know, getting pulled once the game got out of hand. And I think the the 15 in the first quarter from Cat is what really stood out to me most. You know, with no Ant, Cat just had the green light to go and go and go, and he did. I Cat mean, is having a great season, but it's it's also his lowest usage season since the 2017-18 year when, you know, he was sharing the ball with Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins and Jeff Teague. You know, this has become the pattern with Cat. Like, the better his teammates are, the less he shoots because he's a willing passer, which, you know, on its face seems very logical. The problem is that Cat has been the best offensive player on every team he's ever been on. You know, it's rare that because of that, it's and because of that willingness to pass and, you know, be a, a playmaker more than a, a score. A lot of times it's rare that we get to see Cat push the limits of what he can do. And tonight he did that. And, 
his teammates fed him. Here's D'Lo on Cat after tonight's game. When Cat has the mismatch like he does, I mean, did you just want to really exploit that as much as you could and, yeah. and, and ride him? Yep, yep. Give him, feed him, feed him, feed him. Uh, run out of food, feed him the fork. I don't know, keep feeding him. <laughs> feed him the fork. That's, that's a new one. Uh, once Ant is back, if everything goes back to normal, we will, as we always do, we'll, we'll see Cat's usage dip back down. I think... The goal the rest of the way, however, should be to put Cat in as many higher usage fork eating situations as possible, you know, particularly when he's facing as much single coverage as he did in tonight's game. You know, Cat and Ant have shared the floor for 1,491 minutes this season. That's over 300 more minutes than any other two man pairing on the Wolves. And Cat has only played 1,910 minutes. So, He's literally been on the floor with Ant for 78% of his minutes this season. And I, I wouldn't say I just have gotten here. I, this is something I've talked about before, but I, I wonder if it needs to be that much overlap between the two of them. We, we've talked before about also how the, the most successful lineup the Wolves have run this year with only one of the big three out there is Ant on with Cat and D'Lo off. We know Ant's been able to survive without either one of those guys. So we have a case there already to be made for Ant being able to survive on his own. I mean, the Wolves actually have a far better net rating this year when Ant is on the floor without Cat than when he's on the floor with Cat. You know, maybe that there's some fluky defensive numbers in there, but still, like the Ant alone, the Ant apart from Cat minutes have worked this year. The least successful of the three. Of the, of the big three when it's just one of them out there without the other guys is Cat on with D'Lo and Ant off. But, you know, tonight we got an extended look at that, right? Normally Cat gets a couple minutes in each quarter, you know, where maybe D'Lo and Ant have gone to the bench and, you know, his last minute and a half of his stint, he's out there by himself. But tonight it wasn't just, you know, a few minutes at the end of the quarters. It was, you know, tonight it was something that they leaned into. With with no Ant and just D'Lo out there with him. I mean, for for a while now, I thought it was maybe time to switch up the way they rotate the big three. You know, all year it's been D'Lo the first sub out, so he can be come back in to play with the bench unit. And I just wonder if that should be Ant's role. You know, just as much as Cat could profit from having a clearer green light when he's out there more often, I think Ant might benefit from having that same lack of distraction if he's out there with the bench group. I mean, I know they like D'Lo in that role, and broadly speaking, like this rotation overall, I would give, you know, I would give high grades to. It's just, I guess, I'm literally picking nits. Like, I, I get they they like to have D'Lo in in that spot and have him back in at the end of quarters, but it no longer feels like something that it would be dumb to toy with. You know, if they would have started mixing up the rotation of the starting lineup or something back in. November, December, when the starting lineup was just rolling like crazy, then, you know, then changing something would be crazy. But we're just kind of at this point and getting enough information that if I did see some sort of tweak to the way Cat and Ant are being played together, I, I would be in, I'd be encouraged by that or at least open minded to see what would happen there. And speaking of of D'Lo, who, who did play tonight with Cat, I mean, I just thought offensively, again, uh, D'Lo was terrific tonight. Since the All-Star break, 
we're seeing the best version of D'Lo on that side of the ball. I mean, in these four games since All-Star, D'Lo is averaging 26.3 points per game, five and a half assists, three rebounds, 36.7% shooting from deep, and a really impressive 67.6% from two. The biggest change in D'Lo's game since the break has been in the form of getting to those two, specifically getting to the rim and finishing there. I mean, his shot mix has kind of flipped. Before the break, D'Lo had taken 54% of his shots from deep. Since the break, these last four games, 55% of his shots have been twos. That doesn't sound big, but if you've been watching this, these games, it's a pretty different type of usage. But the biggest difference in the usage is where those twos are coming from. He's getting to the rim. I mean, in the 59 games before the All-Star break, D'Lo only took 113 total shots from within five feet of the hoop. In just the last four games, he's already taken 19 shots from within five feet. You know, only 16% of his shots were coming at the basket before the break. And in these games, it's almost doubled. It's, it's 28% of his shot mix. Now, that's why his shooting percentage from two-point range, two range has gone from 47% before the break to 67% after the break. I mean, that's how you get a 20% spike. You change where you're taking your shots from. He's cut. I mean, Delo's a good mid-range shooter, but he's cut the frequency he shoots his mid-range shots in half recently. I think all of this is really noteworthy context because it hints at the idea that this boomlet from Delo can be somewhat sustainable, right? He's had runs, you know, four games in the first half of the season where he was just as productive as he's been these four games. But those... Those runs previously were just pretty much exclusively driven by hot shooting from three, you know, a game a week where he makes 23s. But shooting is just a more volatile factor. You know, you're flipping the shot mix in this way that removes some of that volatility. And that's what we're seeing with him getting to the, to the rim more often. There's also just basketball IQ things that Dilo's doing very, very consistently that are very clearly driving up the Wolves odds of winning. I mean, I know this. I, I, I saw some people, you know, shout out my friend Andy Grimsrud, PD Wolves on Twitter. I I saw I, I saw Andy uh, tweeting about how that, you know, it's not aesthetically appealing. And I think we all agree with that. This rip through thing has been a quote unquote problem throughout the, the league for for a few years right now. But it is the rules. And, and D'Lo is doing it every game. And he's getting the Wolves to the line in almost every bonus situation. In tonight's game, at the end of the second quarter, D'Lo is actually on the bench with like two minutes to go. And the Wolves came down on offense. He started screaming from the bench, Chris Paul, Chris Paul. And if you're if you're unfamiliar, that's D'Lo's way of signaling to his teammates that if they draw any foul here, rip through or otherwise, they will go to the free throw line because the other team has five fouls. That's what Chris Paul means. On that possession, I, I don't know if Delo's teammates didn't hear him or they just didn't do it, um, but it was a dead ball, and Finch called to get Delo to come check into the game. And the first time he touched the ball, that very first possession, Delo rips through, gets the call, and he gets to the free throw line. I'm not really... I, I guess it's just because it's not aesthetically pleasing that this whole rip-through thing is like faux pas to, to talk about. I mean, I don't, I don't love the rule, but it's objectively smart. <laughs> like it's, it's something that drives winning in the league this, 
these days. And if this is the rule, players should be looking to exploit it. I, I give D'Lo credit for it. But <laughs> I don't, because it's this like forbidden fruit to talk about, I had to weave my way into asking D'Lo about it as you'll hear here. But I really do, I do want to play this clip because I think this is something we should really be taking note of. I think D'Lo should get credit for doing this, just like Chris Paul gets credit for it. Here's D'Lo when I asked about the rip through. End of the first half and end of the second half, sort of, or end of the quarter of it, time thing where you're drawing fouls late, late in the quarter. Okay. <laughs> they read your tweets, they hear your comments, baby. <laughs> they don't know now, they don't want to. Uh, we keep putting our J Mac models to display. We don't even know that. But um, it's like Kubrick, right? Respect. Um, what, what, what difference does it make when you can play in the bonus in the end of, a, end of a quarter? It's huge. It's huge. You know, um, you see how Philly came in and ran through us, you know, by the end of the bonus every quarter super early. It just affects the game. You know, you can, you can control the game. You affect the other team's rhythm, things of that sort. So it's huge. I mean, I watch a lot of Chris Paul. Nobody's playing the way he's playing. You know, just trying to dominate the game from the top. You know, not with, you know, just... Basketball, it's all invincible there with his game, and I watch and I watch and I study him. And I try to bring the element to the game as well. There's a reason the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the league in clutch time situations. I mean, there's there's multiple reasons. Part of the reason is Phoenix just has a really good team, you know, a great closing group. But a a big part of the reason why the Suns profit in these clutch time situations. It's because Chris Paul's on the team, and Chris Paul is consistently getting his team to the free throw line at the end of games when the score is close by doing the rip through. I mean, end of games when the score is close is the hardest time in the game to score. Everything is slowed down. The opposing defense is going to be more locked in. The refs are going to call fewer shooting fouls when you attack the basket. Those are all factors that big picture drive down offensive effectiveness late in games or late in quarters. And free throws are the most effective offense you can have in the game. I mean, on the positions, possessions, you hit the rip through, all of those detracting factors go away. And with D'Lo, particularly an 81% free throw shooter, you get a rip through, you get the line for two, and that possession, your expected value of two 81% free throws is over 1.6. It's huge. I mean, it's, again, again, I know... Some people don't like it, but it it, it kind of reminds me of Patrick Beverly on defense. Like you hate it when you're playing against it, but you love it when it's happening for your team. I, I've always loved watching Chris Paul, you know, do this fool young guys with it nightly. And I think Wolves fans should love that D'Lo is similarly punishing opponents with the same with the same play. Again, great offensive game from D'Lo. Terrific start um, offensively post All Star break. For him, he is certainly driving up the price tag on that offseason extension. All right, let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back with a few other notes from tonight's game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 15-point win over the two-seed Golden State Warriors on Tuesday night. I found myself thinking during this one, like, well, would the Warriors be that terrible of a first-round matchup? But I caught myself, and uh, if you were thinking that too, I'd recommend checking that thinking uh, because the Warriors had no Draymond Green, no Clay Thompson in this one. And again, I don't mean that as a knock on this win or any other win uh, the Wolves have had this year where they've won a game where a team wasn't at, at full strength. I'm, I'm talking about a playoff series. And if we anticipate Draymond Green being back for the playoffs and playing every game of, of that series, Clay Thompson playing in every game of that series, like that's, that's pretty important context. And I, I think particularly with Draymond, uh, I, I'm pretty sure Draymond hasn't played in any of the four games against the Wolves this year. And as Cat goes off for 39 tonight, I don't want to take away from that either, but that probably doesn't happen. Um, if, Dr- if Draymond Green is guarding Cat and it's Draymond on him rather than Kevon Looney or Jonathan Kaminga, like Cat just took those guys off the dribble from the top of the key the whole night. If the Wolves play the Warriors in a playoff series, that's Draymond on Cat on in those situations, which is a very, very different situation. What I actually found most encouraging about this Warriors matchup was was how the Wolves were able to guard them. I mean, we know the Wolves' defense was down bad before the All-Star break. And I I don't know if this was the best, the best individual or single game the Wolves have played defensively in the past month. I know the Memphis game was pretty good, too, outside of the rebounding. But I, I don't know. I, I think I would I think I'd put this up there. As, as one of the best performances. Like, yes, Steph finished with 34 points, but that came on 10 of 24 shooting, uh, 5 of 16 from 3. They made it tough on Curry all night. I, I thought I thought that was impressive, and I thought this was an interesting answer from Chris Finch when he was asked what impressed him most about the defense tonight. 
talked about the energy it takes to defend them. What impressed you most about the defense tonight? Jordan McLaughlin. You know, I mean, we played him, I think, 18 straight minutes. He was probably not very responsible. But uh, he, you know, he's, he did a great job just getting attached to you know, most of the staff or pool, um, fighting through everything, staying continually in the action. I thought, you know, for the most part, we executed the game plan really, really well. Um, and we did a good job of controlling the offensive glass. Like, that's that's one of the keys is that when they're able to offensive rebound, they score at such a high level. Um it's pretty much automatic points. We give them two chances. You're one of those guys as a coach where you know, like if you tell them to do something, there's a very good chance it gets done. Shouldn't all players really be like that? They <laughs> should, yeah. They should, they should. <laughs> no, I mean, he's, yeah, he is a coach's dream. He's, um, he plays hard. He plays the right way. He sets the tone. He's in such a rhythm right now. Like, you know, he's playing the best basketball of his career, I'm sure. Uh, you know, teammates love playing with him. They love watching him play. You know, offensively and uh... McLaughlin really did do an impressive job on Curry. I, I definitely did not realize at the time that he was out there for 18 straight minutes. But you know, looking at the box score now, I, I guess that makes sense. The only players who played more minutes than J Mac tonight were Cat and D'Lo. It's been a it's been a pretty crazy arc for McLaughlin this season. Remember when the Wolves were playing 11 guys at the beginning of the year? Every night, McLaughlin was in that in that rotation at the end of it, but he did stop getting minutes until the COVID outbreak happened. And since then, I mean, J-Mac's been a staple of this team. I think he's, I mean, you hear Finch there. I think he's, he's probably in the playoff rotation when that comes around. In the 13 games since February 1st, Jordan McLaughlin far and away has the best net rating on the team at plus 13.4. It's been 13 games since February 1st, and in that 13-game stretch, the best net rating of any of the starters is Anthony Edwards at just plus three. J-Max plus 13.4. Actually, just having, pulling up these net ratings, individual net ratings from the, the past 13 games, the five best on the team since January 31st are McLaughlin plus 13.4, Torian Prince plus seven, Jade McDaniels plus 5.4, Nas Reed plus 5.4, and Malik Beasley plus 5.0. I mean, that's your bench. That group in groups of three, four, or even five, like we saw in the game last night, has really driven winning this past month. It's they've become a good mix. And I'm 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 really glad we we got a look at the Wolves bench in that Philly game without Malik Beasley when he missed it because he was sick. And I talked about it after that game, and I'm glad I did because. Seeing the bench without Beasley in that one game was was really eye-opening for me. I, I put a pin in the idea that the bench group just doesn't have the gas to make runs if Beasley isn't in the mix with them. His shooting is, of course, volatile, but he provides the upside with that group. The bench group doesn't work without Beasley. And I, I certainly get the fatigue the fan base has had with Beasley at times this year. I know I've had it, but at some point, you know, we do, and I've said this before, but we do just have to come to grips with the notion that this is the volatile nature of a high-volume shooter. I mean, and Beasley just isn't shooting that bad. I mean, he's up to 36.5% from deep on the season. I mean, I know that's not the 39.9 he shot last year, but we got to remember he's in a weird role now, and we got to remember he's shooting more than he ever has. 
the five highest volume shooters in the league this season, three-point shooters in the league this season, are Steph Curry, Duncan Robinson, Malik Beasley, Davis Bertans, and Jordan Clarkson, in that order. And the only player on that list who has a better three-point percentage than Malik Beasley this season is Steph Curry, who's at 37.5%. That's just another reminder, mostly to myself, that 36.5% at this volume is not a letdown from Beasley. It just, it just isn't. Since January 1st, Davis Bertans is the only player in the league who's shooting more threes per 100 possessions than Malik Beasley has. And Beasley has made 48.3% of his threes in that time since the start of February. It also might just be coming around for Beasley after a long summer. I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if we look back at the, you know, the final 40 games of the season or 35 and we look and you know, Beasley's been a 40% shooter on high volume. And even if he is just the 36.5% guy, like that is still more than okay at this volume. Here's Finch on Beasley after the game. The way that Malik just continues to start, you know, to knock down shots, does that just bring a different dimension when, when he's been able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, our ball movement is back a little bit, you know, and he's getting some really good looks in the flow of the offense with his feet set. And we don't have to try to manufacture every single shot for him. So it's been, it's been really huge. But. Here's another wild Malik Beasley stat for you. Since February 1st, he's made made more threes, 42, than he has taken two-point shots, 26. Not even close. I'm just I'm just very encouraged by the this Wolves bench as a whole lately. I've talked about it before of like if they're going to make that push for the 6th seed, I think the bench has to save them a couple games and that at least seems like a possibility. I'm interested to see too now, you know, now that a lot of these bench guys are playing well, you know, and how do they how do they kind of get incorporated back into blended lineups going forward? You know, like we were talking about at the top with Anthony Edwards, is there is there an ideal mix of those bench guys to play with D'Lo versus an ideal mix of bench guys to play with Ant? And then I guess we should just talk about Ant. That's the elephant in the room here uh, with his knee. This was this was the first game of Ant's career that he that he's missed due to an injury. He's been ailed to some extent by some form of knee soreness called patella tendinopathy, left patella tendinopathy. And this was the first one he missed. For me, my very basic non-doctor read on the situation or why I think this is even a situation is because Anthony Edwards was drafted 467 days ago on November 18th, 2020. And in that time, almost two full NBA seasons have happened due to a weird condensed schedule. Ant has played in 128 games in those 467 days. That's one game almost every three days, even including the offseason. He's played 4,249 minutes. He's also only 20 years old, so he might not have exactly spent those 467 days applying the same caution to his body that, you know, LeBron does. I think Ant's body just wore down some from playing a ton of basketball. I think all of that time in the game, all of that time in practice, playing for the USA Select team this summer, like, I think he's just played a ton of basketball. And because of it, he's got some lingering soreness as a byproduct. There's nothing to indicate from what I've been told that that his 
playing right now risks any sort of longer term injury. It's just a pain or soreness management type of thing. They just they wouldn't be playing him 35 plus minutes a night if there were long term injury concerns. I Sometimes we just got to rem- remind ourselves that the coaches and the training staff, they're not dumb. Like they are just as invested in Ant's health and success as anyone watching these games. I think this is all going to be fine, but I do think it's something that will need to be managed a little bit more proactively going forward. This is the only information we have from, from, from Chris Finch. Here's Finch after the game sharing what he could about how they're going to be manager managing this soreness with Ant going forward. Chris, you guys didn't play Ant tonight. Is there any kind of more idea about what the plan is for him going forward is it day-to-day like how do, how do you kind of classify where he's at right now yeah i think it's going to be kind of day-to-day you know i'm sure we'll get the plan in place to see what what we can do here with this upcoming schedule we got a couple of days break so this was a way to extend that so we'll see where we stand on uh, after that i actually take that as a pretty positive response to the situation i don't think it's out of line to just read that as finch saying they just gave ant a day of rest today it was it was a Something close to that. It, it was the back end of a back-to-back, the most common place to rest a guy. I mean, I'll be far more alarmed if Edwards has to miss Friday's game in Oklahoma City. But even that might just be resting him on the front end of a back-to-back because the Warriors play in OKC on Friday and then back at home on Saturday for Portland. I think this is all just a, you know, a wait-and-see thing. But for me... If you're asking my opinion on it, my, my read is that his body has just worn down some over two two seasons in the time period of like 1.3 years. I I don't know. I, I also just think there is something more to his dip in play than just a sore knee over this time. To me, Ant dropping off over the past month has been just as much mental as it has been physical. All right, let's wrap tonight with uh, with prize picks. I made four picks tonight. Got two right, one wrong, one pushed. I didn't get in too heavy on the Andrew Wiggins revenge pick, but I uh, I did do one Wiggins pick. I took the over on two made threes for Wiggins. He did make two, so that was my push. Overall, though, it was not a good game from Wiggins. He came out hot with eight points in the first three minutes, but only scored four more points for the rest of the night. I also took the under on 16 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists for Jared Vanderbilt. We knew coming into this one that Finch has shortened the leash leash on Vando lately. Uh, Finch has actually seemingly grown in his willingness to play McDaniels and Prince at power forward. And those two are playing well right now. So Vando only played 24 minutes tonight. Because of that, he did finish under 16 and a half, finished with two points, eight boards and two assists. So we got that one. I did guess correctly on my who will be the random guy who out of nowhere massively outperforms their season averages. Uh, we need some name for these Javante Green and O'Shea Brissett guys that keep killing the Wolves. Tonight, it was Gary Payton the second. Uh, Payton's over-under on points plus rebounds plus assists was 14.5. I took the over on that. Payton was all over the place in this game. He finished with 14 points, four boards, and an assist. The one I did get wrong was the over on eight and a half rebounds for Kevon Looney. In the three previous games against the Wolves this season, Looney was averaging 12 boards per game. But tonight, Looney finished with just seven. He had zero offensive rebounds. That was huge. Only eight total offensive rebounds for the Warriors tonight. They're certainly a much smaller team than Memphis, but 
only allowing eight offensive rebounds to the Warriors after giving up, what was it, 26 to the Grizzlies? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big difference. Anyways, overall, two one and one on my picks tonight. That bumps me to 132, 109, and 10 on the season. There's no Wolves games for the next two days, so if you are watching the NBA on Wednesday and Thursday and want to have something on the line, you can try out prize picks. They have these props for every team, for every game. I know I'll be watching the Nuggets on Wednesday night. Maybe something will stand out to pick in that game. If you are going to try out prize picks, make sure you use the promo code DANE when you sign up. They will throw you a $100 sign-up bonus if you use that promo code when you make an account, prizepicks.com or the Prize Picks app. Overall, uh, even though both the Cavs and Warriors were shorthanded, I think this was a really big back-to-back win for the Wolves to start this week. And just going 3-1 and one since coming back from the break is great too, considering the Grizzlies and the Sixers were the other two opponents. I certainly did not think the Wolves were going to go 3-1 and one here in these first four games. Unfortunately, though, uh, the, the teams around the Wolves in the standings do keep winning. The Nuggets were off tonight, but both the Mavs and Clippers played, and they won. So the Wolves are still three games behind the Nuggets for the sixth seed, three and a half games behind the Mavs for the five, and still one and a half games over the Clippers, who are at the eight. Getting the sixth seed is going to be tough. You know, but I guess that said, the Grizzlies are now only a half game behind the Warriors for the two seeds. So if that is actually the best matchup for the Wolves, I don't know. They might just get it from staying in seven if they can get through the plane. I'm sure we'll talk about all that and more with Britt Robson tomorrow. Britt and I will be recording Wednesday late afternoon, and that will be in your feed on Wednesday evening. Plenty of Wolves to be talked here still. Somehow only 19 games left in the season. That's wild. Uh, I'll be back to chop it up with Britt for you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.